Well, thank you for uh, joining me here on Zoom today for this interview. Yes, thank you. And, and thank you for uh, letting me, you know, push it off a couple of days. Sorry about the other day. I uh, was out in nature and totally, completely lost track of time. Like I said, that, I would if that's, yeah. <laughs> that is okay. That's understandable. So you, um, so how are you doing? Just to get I'm off good. the bat, how are you doing? So you, how are you doing with this pandemic? <laughs> well, uh, I think like everybody, you know, just trying to figure life out you know, without going through my life savings. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, for me, I've started exercising better and learning how to cook and stuff. So, <laughs> no, I, I teach a cooking class for people who don't know how to cook. Oh, very nice. Yes. Yeah. I do that every Friday. Um, although we're not doing it this Friday. Um, okay. But yeah. Uh, and you know, I keep it to like eight ingredients or less and um, <laughs> we rarely use salt. Um, and it's just, you know, it's because I've traveled around the world so much um, and I love to cook. I learned how to cook in almost every country I went to. But what I like to learn was um, home recipes, you know, the that that comfort food that every country has. Um, and it's not macaroni and cheese around the world. I, I know I hate to say no. that, but it's not. Um, and so for me, finding those home comfort foods and what they were and what it means to to that country. Um, it helps you understand the people and and where you are and you know where things come from in that part of the world. And so I, I love it. So I love sharing that on on Fridays. Well that's very good. So you're a award-winning fe uh, female magician. So how did you get started? You were started around four or five years old? Yeah, I, I saw a magic trick. And uh, I thought, wow, that is super cool. I want to learn how to do that. So I went home. I figured the trick out on my own. And um, it was my cousin that did the trick. And so like three months later, I, I saw him again. And when you're four, you don't quite understand that there's more than one magic trick in the world. So when he did another one, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I need to know more. And so, yeah, that's what got me started. He has since moved on and he's a doctor. I'm still a magician. So <laughs> that's <yeah>. okay. <laughs> uh, what was it like for you when you first started? Was it sort of like more of a brotherhood type thing? Um, no, uh, magic has never been a brotherhood for me. Um, and it's never been a sisterhood. Although um, I have tried on, on several occasions and um um, I'm working at trying that again, but okay. this time now that I'm older. So when we're younger, um, it's easy for people to kind of pit other people against each other. And, you know, the women didn't really talk to each other. And now that I'm older, a lot of us women, if somebody says, oh, hey, this person said something about you, I, I just call them up. I just call them up. I'm friends or I know most of the women and I say, hey, what's up? And that was something I never had when I was younger. And so one of the other ways that I'm trying to bring women more to light in magic is by doing a um, coffee table history book of women in oh, magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So like you saw my post on yeah. Twitter um, the other day. And mm -hmm. so, what the, the person on Twitter had written was, if you were to give a talk for an hour, what would you talk about? And I mm -hmm. said, I would talk about women 
female magicians from um, the 1700s through the 1900s. And um, I normally get like one or two, you know, likes and comments and stuff. Uh, I'm up to like 50 and with people <laughs> commenting saying, you know, we would love to know more. We, we oh, yes. want to know more. Yes. Even like um, me, I would like to know more too as well on that subject as well, because we need more female magicians. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so uh, one of the things that I've been doing, I've been working with a guy in um, Paris um, and he's a researcher. I've been working with several museums and we're talking big name museums that everybody would know from around the world. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I'm talking with um, collectors, private collectors, um, about putting this whole, you know, coffee table book together because it's not just finding the information out about the woman; it's finding out like the, the the history and the, you know, with collectors, can I get permission for their posters and all the other stuff? That's very cool. So, yeah, um, and then there have been some female magicians that people, um, they, here, let me see if I can find it. Um, they know of, and, and they've seen like a poster, but they mm -hmm. don't really know anything about the person or what she looked like because they only see this one image in a poster. A perfect example of that is um, Mademoiselle Ditka. And so, right, everybody knows the name, Everybody knows the two posters she had, and I'm looking for one of them because I know I've got her in here. Oh, here we go. Mademoiselle Zdeka, right? Oh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. Right, everybody's seen <laughs> that one or they've seen this one. Yes. Right, so um, they have not seen this. Oh, very nice. That is Mademoiselle Ditka. And so I found her postcards in a postcard collection place and paid $3 for two of them. Only three? Only three, yeah. And so here's what happened with her. So she was working in theaters throughout Europe in the 1900s. She worked from 1900 to 1905, only five years. After that, I have all sorts of records of her working in theater as an actress, working in big shows. And so um, what I, you know, who knows? I know that at the turn of the century, right then and there, that a lot of actresses learned other skills so that they could use that as part of their, their acting. Hmm. Um, and so I have like, what, six women who are all actresses that learned magic. And, and so most likely she's one of them, but she's one of them that ended up with her own posters. And she mostly worked um, burlesque type shows and she would be the magician in a burlesque show. <laughs> do yeah. you have any of your own posters? <laughs> I, I, I do have some of my own posters. Uh, I have posters of me from Japan, China, um, oh, trying to think of, you know, Europe, um, just everywhere. I, I've got posters of me from everywhere. Um, they're, they're, most of them are just rolled up and packed away. 
Um, but yeah, I, I have those. I have posters from the show that I did in, or the two shows that I did in Vegas. I have those posters. Um, but yeah, and, and like the other day, uh, I found a newspaper article that had a an image of a woman from 1859. And back then, they didn't really do photographs because photo photography was just starting. And so it was like these pencil drawings. And it's interesting because it's this woman from England, um, Madame Bosco, and she married this professor in America. So she had come to America, married this professor, and she was out touring doing shows. And she was um, 32 years old. She had uh, she did a style of magic back then that was called natural magic, which means box tricks. <laughs> <laughs> and and she mostly did like like um, parlor shows to small theaters. That was her. And in the newspapers, there's a lot of things where it says, oh, you know, um, this is the perfect show for the ladies to attend. And so a, a lot of women's groups would bring her into their, their town to do shows. So she was traveling from Milwaukee and there's newspaper reports saying that her show in Milwaukee, that, um, it was not a good show, that it was bad, that she was um, disorientated and all this other stuff. She had a back problem. Ooh. And she had, her doctor had um, given her um, morphine, uh, yeah, morphine and laudanum. And between going from Milwaukee to this other town, she overdosed and died. Ooh. At 32. At 32. But because of the research, I have an image of what she looked like. I have the tricks that she did. And I have the, the you know, the places where she performed. And she performed for royalty. Yeah, be before fun. she left England. Yeah. Um, you know, I have... Um, I have a woman who pretended to be Japanese, um, who she was English. Uh, I have another woman that um, it was, she wasn't a woman. She was a child and um, she ended up um, meeting this guy running off with him and stealing all the money from the show, you know, and leaving her parents with nothing. All the props had to be sold. Um, yeah. And there's just story after story after story. And some of them are huge amazing success stories and others are really sad where it's a girl at 19 in 18 what 1830 traveling from one show to the next in a covered wagon and um the the river floods while they're crossing the river and um she and the show is washed out and she drowns oh. yeah that's I, but I, I want people to remember these women and to remember that, that, you know, what they stood for. And, and these are women who weren't allowed to travel without permission of a, a father or a husband. Um, you know, they weren't necessarily as educated as the men. Um, you know, and, and there's all these things that the women were fighting back then. They, women couldn't even vote. They mm. couldn't even vote. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I have several women that um, um, 
I have the arrest reports of where they took the bullwhip to the audience. I have one woman who took a bullwhip to her manager, um, oh. a manager and a hotel or a, a theater owner. Oh, this will be a, some interesting book. <laughs> yeah. Read it one day. Um, so you have something that I've always been interested in that you have that only a couple people have. You have a degree in magic. Yeah. So tell me about that. Like, how did you get that exactly? How does one okay. get that? Chavez, Chavez School of Magic. So right now, Dale Sawak, he is the big teacher if you want to do that. It's Chavez School of Magic. Dale is out of, I think he's out of Pasadena. I know he's in California. I could be wrong with the city. When I studied with him, he was in Pasadena. And so um, um, Chavez was this gentleman uh, who put together, he was doing manipulation and people wanted to learn it. And so he put together these classes so that you could learn manipulation magic, you know, cards, coins, billiard balls, thimbles, um, doves, uh, you know, a zombie. Zombie was a big part of the course. And so like, somebody like uh, uh, Norm Nielsen, he was a Chavez graduate. Um, so there's okay. been actually a lot of big names in magic that have studied Chavez, become Chavez graduates, and taken what they've learned and turned it into their in, into something that represents them and not just the school. But anybody can take Chavez. It's a great course. If that's what you want to learn is manipulation, I highly suggest it to anyone and everyone. It, it's a great it's a great course in not just learning uh, manipulation, but you'll see that a lot of times where there's a magician who's disconnected from what they're doing and the audience, mm -hmm. and especially with manipulation, and they're just kind of doing the show. Uh, and one of the things that they teach with Chavez is uh, an inner dialogue. And so like when you're producing a card, it's like, oh, look, there, there's a card there. Let me <laughs> produce it. Instead of just going, ding, there's a card. Ding, there's a card. And so you get you you get that, you know, and, and it helps to unify what people are doing and what they see. And yeah, uh, it, it's a wonderful course. It's a wonderful course. So you went from Edmonton to L.A. to L.A. to New York and then New York to Vegas. What was it yeah. like going, no. going to Vegas? Nope, nope, nope. No? Okay, no? so uh, I, I went from Edmonton to L.A. to study mm -hmm. Chavez. And at that time, um, um, Neil Foster was still teaching. Okay. And I thought about studying with Neil. And then I realized, you know, I don't really want to go. It's January. I don't really want to go where it's cold. I think I'm going to go where it's a little bit warmer in January. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I went to California. And, and that's how I ended up studying with Dale um, and that's why I know he's such a great teacher. He's extremely patient um, and he, he loves it. Uh, he loves continuing that legacy. Anyway, so I moved to LA. Uh, I did the Chavez course. Chavez course is six months. Okay. I, I did it in a month. Um, and then after I was going to stay there and I realized, oh, to stay here, you really have to be able to drive in LA. So instead of learning to drive, I moved to New York. And um, lived in New York for like five years. I worked as a magician. And uh, the, the other job that I had when I lived in New York was parts model. 
and I don't tell people this very often, but I, I worked as a parts model. So a parts model, you have to have specific sized body parts. So your ears have to be a certain size. Your eyes have to be a certain shape. Your nose has to be a certain size. Um, your hands, you have to have a size four finger. Um, uh, your feet have to be a very specific size. And I just, I, I was in an elevator. A girl saw me and said, what size is your foot? And I told her and she goes, meet me tomorrow. I've got a job for you. So I met her and uh, I, every Wednesday when I was in, in New York, if I wasn't traveling, I worked as a shoe model, but then I also worked as a, I worked as an ear model. Uh, I worked as an eye model because my eyes and ears were the right size and shape. Um, my nose was too small. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's amazing how, because I don't consider myself beautiful in any way, shape or form as far as being a model, but it, it's amazing to, to have people fawn over specific body parts. <laughs> strange. Just, yes, it is strange. Um, and so, yeah, so I did that, which was, it was fun. And especially when you're, you know, 19, 20, 21, it, it's an ego boost. Um, especially, you know, for women, most women don't consider themselves beautiful. So it's, it's nice to, to be living in New York and, and be working as a parts model for like major companies. Um, and what's interesting is I never had an agent, never had an agent because I didn't do, I did very limited photos, but what I did was I did the live shows. So if they had people like with jewelry, with the ears, uh, if they had people coming in, um, I did furs. Um, that was like one of the few um, clothing things that I did was furs. And so they look for girls that are certain height and shape for what they call swing coats and swing coats come just to your hips. And, um, and so I, I did those. It was great. But um, so from there, I started working and, and doing all sorts of shows. Uh, I moved to Atlantic city and I was in Atlantic city for four years. And uh, I worked at um, um, Trump's Marina um, which was the magic castle or the, not magic castle Trump's castle at the time. And, um, so yeah, uh, I worked there. I was a house magician and, um, um, worked in some of the shows worked in, in, um, the restaurants, they had like a roving performer program. I was a magician for that. So it was great. It was great. I, I was uh, lady Morgana. Uh, and then, uh, I got, uh, a job in Vegas. And so I moved to Vegas. Cool. Uh, one of my favorite moments of yours is has to be when um, you went on big time and did that, uh, the, the tie up with Steve Harvey. What was that like for you? I did that <laughs> twice. Yes. What was it like for you when you was acting? No, no, I, with I, Steve I, Harvey? I did it twice. I got to be on the show twice. So, um, I, I got this call from an agent that I hadn't worked with in a long time because he was a shyster and <laughs> a lot of agents are, um, uh, but everybody who's ever worked with this gentleman has bad stories, unfortunately. And um, he goes, um, I've gotten a call big time wants you for this show. And I said, Oh, okay. So I go um, and I, I 
Steve Harvey wants to tie me up. And I said, okay, I have to show you how to tie me up because it's, it's a process. And I said, but here's the thing. I don't want you as a star bending over. And I said, so I brought an assistant and he's going to tie the bottom knots so that you don't have to, you can check them, but that you don't have to be down on the ground, tying the knots with my butt in your face. I'm like, and, and so Steve was like, oh, great. Perfect. And I said, yep. And I said, and he's going to hold the curtain. So, um, so I had my assistant, you know, help me show Steve how to tie me up. We went through it like five times. And um, let me just say that he still to this day has no idea <laughs> how I got out of the ropes. And he's the one that tied me up. So, uh, so we do the show, we, we teach it to him, we do it. And um, all of a sudden, a famous comedian shows up. And so they're looking around and they go, oh my God, we got to bump somebody to, so that we have the time for this famous comedian. And they were going to dump or not dump, but bump this one guy. And I said, you know what? This guy's come in from England. Let's have him stay on the show. I'll go home. This is LA. I'm living in Vegas. It's a four hour drive. I'll just go home and, um, I'll come back in a couple weeks and we'll shoot it then. So I came back, got paid. I got paid for that, even though I was bumped. So I came back a couple weeks later, taught it to him again, but they had changed the format of the show. And so um, I still got paid because that was part of my contract. But yeah, now it was a contest. And so um, um, the, the person that won had a girl, he would lay down on a bed of nails and had a girl tap dance on him. Oh, my. Yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so I, I didn't care. I had so much fun with Steve Harvey. I had to teach him the trick again. And let me just say what a wonderful, gracious man he is. So, so funny. I mean, just naturally funny. Uh, you know, he could pick up, he could pick up a phone and, and start making jokes about it. Um, he's, and he just, he doesn't make fun of you as a person um, unless he knows that it's, you know, it's okay. Uh, but he'll make jokes like around you, which is what he did on the show when he was tying me up. And so, yeah, he was just so much fun, so much fun. And it was funny because I realized when I did the first time that he he was so excited about doing the trick with me that he would get off track. And so um, I knew enough about television to, to stay focused and stay on track because I've done this trick. Um, I, I've done it with hosts all over the world. And so um, uh, the um, I could see the the TV producers doing this, like, hey, speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. And so that's why on that TV show, you see me turn to Steve and say, hey, what about the scores? <laughs> hey, what about <laughs> this? Because I'm trying to, to move it along a little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I love their the judges' reactions to the whole thing. Like they're like, like Melissa Peterman and Tracy Ellis Ross are all like, oh, and all that. So getting back to the pandemic 
because you were telling me the other, you said the other day when your messages to me that you were doing meetings with theaters and stuff. Do you think people will come back to watch in-person shows after the thing opens? So I think people want to get out. Um, the theater, so the theater that I went and met with is just a local theater near me. It's not very big. And they're looking at, you know, maybe having something in the summertime if there's tourists. And so what it was, was just a general meeting to say, okay, what do we have? What can be produced quickly? What can, you know, in a magic show, you know, I can have that up and running in a couple weeks. Um, I, I can go to one of the dance schools here, train a couple of the, the kids, you know, that are seniors at the dance class and have them work as my assistants. Um, and so it's, you know, they're just trying to figure out what's available, what they can do, what it's going to cost them, you know, all of this so that they can start in their heads, putting budgets together and figure out where they're going to go from there. I think that, so I'm in Canada right now. And I think that people are wanting entertainment. I think they yes. want that live interaction. I think they're still worried. Um, there's a problem with magic, especially when you start to separate the theater or, mm. you know, the people sitting in the theater, you don't get that surge of energy that causes people to clap and to, to really get emotionally involved um, when they're isolated. It, it's like watching television a little bit. And so, um, so there's that. There's also the fact that people have been watching on zoom where they've been oh, able yes. to, but where they've been able to mute. And so this was one of the things that we were talking about. We were talking about, you know, people haven't been clapping. They've been doing this. Um, you know, and they had their things on mute so they can talk and have a conversation and be on their their phones while, you know, they're listening to a lecture or watching something. And so people have been distracted um, and they've been entertainment distracted. And how do we fight that? Yeah, because when I because before the pandemic, I went to see um, Billy Kidd perform. I went She's to see great. Her. I love yeah. her. I went to see her perform before the pandemic was closed down here in Ontario. And then right a couple months ago, I went and did a Zoom uh, performance with uh, Lucy Darling. So it's a little, I saw it, it was a little different because we were in a small little restaurant bar with um, Billy Kidd. And then it was Lucy Darling was like on a Zoom call and there was like a lot of people muted and stuff like that. And I felt it was just a big change. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've done some Zoom shows, um, and I, I got great reactions from them. You know, companies loved it, had me again. I didn't like it, I, you know, and it's funny because the companies that hired me for their Zoom shows, they wanted it all pre-recorded. So... There were some things like um, when I did Matrix, I just used the the one that I'd already recorded from the very first one, um, and so because they were pre-recorded, I could I had the opportunity to just do it again and again until it was 
perfect the way I wanted it. And then I just sent it out. And that's, it's just cold. It's, there's, you know, and I kept saying to them, you know, hey, let me, you know, let me do this live for you. It'll be more fun. And they're like, no, no, we, we, we want to record it. And almost all of the shows I did were only 20 minutes. They wanted a 20 minute, you know, cocktail hour before their president speaks, just something fun, you know, while people are drinking at home. Yeah. And there was another one that I saw on YouTube where they had a host who was doing it live, but he said, here's another segment. And they had all these like magicians record their stuff. It just felt a little weird too. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So other than being a magician, you like to go kayaking and take photos. I do. How did that get all started? But let me, so you're in Ontario. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So it says happy holidays, but it says happy holidays from the embassy of Canada. Ah. I did shows there. Very nice. I know. (laughs) And so the, the Canadian embassy, um, in uh, the Canadian embassy in the United States, uh, I've been brought in to do some Christmas shows for other um, organizations that were having parties and stuff. And so, yeah, the Canadian embassy, they're like, you're Canadian, you need a mug. <laughs> Very nice mug. So as I was saying, you're other than a magician, you like to go kayaking and take photos. How did that get all started? Um, I, I got a, an iPhone. And I started taking photos with my iPhone and a photographer, the photographer who's shot almost all of my publicity photos. He said to me, he said, uh, in the iPhone, there's a grid. And he said, turn the grid on in your camera settings and it'll help you with taking photos. And um, so I did that and he kind of explained how the grid works and, and what to do with it. And so I started taking photos and then I started having photos picked up by shot on iPhone parks, Canada. And um, a friend of mine, she said, you need a real camera. I'm going to have my husband send you a a real camera. And so they sent me a, a Nikon cool pics. Nice camera. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a nice, beginner camera where it's got the the settings so that you don't really have to think about it. Um, and so it would do the automatic focus and everything else for me. And then I, once I got used to that, I started playing with the manual settings on it and started doing the manual focus and the manual stuff and started getting better at that. And then I went to China and going from Hong Kong into mainland China they pulled the camera out of the uh, the bag that it was in. And when it was returned to me, it was broken. Oh, not good. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, did a, I did a GoFundMe where I said for every $100 raised on the GoFundMe, I will donate um, a print, a framed print to a children's hospital. Which hospital? I sent them out to a whole bunch of different hospitals. I sent them out to 25 hospitals. Very nice. Yep. Yep. And so um, uh, some of the hospitals were in in cities where people had donated. Um, And then, you know, obviously the Vegas hospitals and, you know, a couple others. And yeah. Anyway, so I I did that. And when people know that you're going to donate something and do something like that, 
they're more apt to give to you. So, um, so I raised the money that I was looking for and I bought a, oh, uh, the Sony Alpha and it's a Sony okay. Alpha 7 um, II, um, 7.2. And so okay. it's, um, the, the body is sealed. So if it gets damp, it, you know, the, the inside workings don't get wet. Okay. Um, and it's, um, uh, it's a mirrorless camera. So it makes less noise, which means I can sneak up on animals because when I bought the camera, um, it's an expensive camera. And I wanted a telephoto lens, not realizing how much telephoto lenses are. Um, and so I could only afford the, the 300 millimeter. And so all those nature photos that you've seen have either mm -hmm. been taken on my phone or taken on a camera that only has a 300 millimeter um, lens. So I am literally sneaking up on <laughs> these animals to take their photos. Yeah. Yeah, I have, a, I have a relative in my family who does photos too. When he goes traveling for, when he used to go traveling, he does those as well. He has them all over his house and stuff. Have you ever had any public shows for your photos? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I, I've done three, three showings. Um, so, you know, where I've gone in, set up the photos, people could buy them. Um, and that's pretty amazing. I had one photo that I brought in, hadn't even been put up on the wall yet. And a lady was like, oh my God, I have to have that for above my fireplace. And, and it was just, it was this photo that I took where when I took the photo, I wanted you to have the feeling that if you stood in front of it, you felt like you were standing in that forest. And, um, and, and it, that's what it that's how it turned out. So in the giant form, the giant, giant, yeah, you, you, when you stand in front of it, you feel like you're standing, you know, at the edge of the woods. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have a, any, like a book for those photos or anything like that? No, uh, I've thought about doing a calendar for next year. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I, I don't have a book. Because my... Because yeah, my family, my, my mom's brother, he has he does a calendar with his photos every year for us as well and stuff like that. Um, is there any? Uh, where can people find you on social media and all that stuff? Um, so I used to post magic photos on Instagram. I now just post all my nature photos. Um, and, and so, if you want to see the the nature photos go to Instagram or you can go to my Patreon page. And both of those just look for Aryan Black. You'll find me. Okay. My Facebook page, that's magic. Uh, my Twitter is politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my Twitter is a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of everything. Well, um, thank you for doing this with me today. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And again, I apologize that I was out kayaking and did not want to come in. And <laughs> that is okay. Take all the beautiful days you, you want. Yeah, it was so gorgeous out. It was 74 degrees. And the first like real day of beautiful skies, sunshine. And I had gotten out on the kayak and I just did not did not want to acknowledge the rest of the world. I would have done it too. Yeah. Thank you very much for being here with me.
You're welcome.